if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the Master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth, Freedom, Vocation, Concordia University, Chicago, cuchicago.edu. When St. Paul says that Jesus is the wisdom of God, what does that mean? And what does it mean that we are here to proclaim the wisdom of God? Is it a mystery? Is it a kind of hidden wisdom? Is it simply a practical wisdom like you find in the book of Proverbs? Joining us for the next few minutes of Issues Etc. to talk about the wisdom of God as we broadcast from the 68th regular convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Dr. Russell Dawn, he's president of Concordia University Chicago and essayist at the LCMS convention. Russell, welcome back. Thank you, great to be with you again. So what's it like to be chosen as an essayist? There's really only a couple of these every three years and the selection process I'm sure is very careful and deliberate. What was your reaction in being asked to come and deliver an essay to this once every three years of time. Well, honestly, my initial reaction was that there had to be some mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, I did. I wrote back to the person who informed me, and I said, are they, are they sure about this? Am I, <laughs> am I really the right person for it? Oh, don't worry. They're sure. You just have to let us know if you accept the responsibility. And so I was deeply honored and still feel undeserving, but I do believe God has equip me with what I need to do the essay, so I guess that's what matters, isn't it? You uh, say that preaching Christ crucified, which by the way is the theme of the 68th regular convention of the LCMS, means proclaiming the whole counsel of God, both law and gospel. What do you mean by that? Well, it means, it means we don't avoid anything that needs to be said. We don't avoid preaching the law just to spare people's feelings or avoid offense. If people don't know that they're dead in sin, they have no reason to believe that they need a savior. And likewise, we don't concentrate solely on the law and moralistically seek to make people into better versions of themselves. There is no better version of someone who is dead in their sins. They need to know that Christ died for them and that their salvation depends on nothing as unreliable as their own goodness. So that's what I mean by the whole council. It's law and it's gospel. You discuss the wisdom of God, Christ the wisdom of God, in both what we call the right-hand kingdom, we could say this civil realm, but I think we are better off talking about God's rule in the left-hand kingdom and the right-hand kingdom. So let's start with the right-hand kingdom, that is the realm of the church. What is the importance of Christ the wisdom of God in God's right-hand rule? So Luther was very helpful in this. Just like he had said that 
God's righteousness is that by which he makes us righteous. Luther said that God's wisdom is that by which he makes us wise. We are wise if we know that the law condemns us, if we know that Christ has died for us and that all our hopes for salvation rest firmly in his care. And we're wise if we know the life of God-pleasing works that flow from faith, flow out of saving faith rather than creating saving faith. So that's being wise unto salvation, and that's the importance of Christ as the the wisdom of God. How should we respond? Because the the Apostle forewarns us. He says this wisdom of God is going to be considered to be foolishness by some. It's going to be a stumbling block to all. How should we respond when this gift of God's wisdom is regarded that way by the world? Yeah, well, thankfully, God did let us know through the apostle that we should expect this, and therefore we should respond with no surprise. Scripture tells us what to expect, and so we respond by continuing to feed people what they need, and that is the scriptural truth. We continue to feed them with Christ and and the whole counsel of God because that's what they need, and if they refuse to hear that's deeply saddening for us, and, and it is their loss, but it is not our responsibility to see to the growth. That's God's responsibility. On the civil realm, the left-hand kingdom where God rules, what's the importance, this is a harder one to sort out, what's the importance of Christ, the wisdom of God, there? Well, knowing and being in Christ entails practical day-to-day wisdom. So you mentioned that at the top, that you know, there's, a, there's a day-to-day wisdom aspect. So it entails living in harmony with the natural order that God created and the moral order that God created. It's pretty, it's pretty simple at that first level. What is the importance of Christ, the wisdom of God, in the left-hand realm? Well, it's living in accordance with how he created the world. What happens when God's wisdom is rejected in the left-hand realm? Well, that's where it gets complicated because that simplicity of living in accordance with the world, including the moral world as God created it, we don't do that very well and we tend to depart from it. And when we do, to put it simply, chaos ensues, disarray. It shouldn't surprise us that as American society increasingly rejects God's wisdom, society becomes more chaotic. You say, I love this line, that if our current times are not the last days, they are a very good imitation. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, this is what I'm talking about, the, the chaos. And so Paul, Paul describes in his second letter to Timothy, and I'll go ahead and just read this. He's describing the last days. He says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, meaning disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, the list goes on, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. That is quite a list. And it reads like a list of characteristics of American society. Let's take a few examples. So I think uh, unappeasable in the list. That's exactly what cancel culture is all about. People will not be appeased by any answers other than the only one that they are looking for, which is that we agree with them. Self-control, 
That's what our oversexed society is all about. Brutality. How about the abortion industry? Uh, and on and on. But it isn't just the things that other people do, the people that we disagree with. So, for example, do we discourage our children from working for the church when they grow up because the pay isn't that great? Well, we may be lovers of money if we're doing that. Do we limit the size of our own family? Uh, for instance, because we won't be able to travel overseas and, and have fancy vacations if we have four or five kids. One that uh, comes to mind a lot whenever I'm driving, I see that someone is bragging about their children by putting a bumper sticker, announcing to everyone that their child is on the honor roll or something like this. And so we just seem to not be able to help boasting. When's the last time one of us slandered somebody else in, in social media or really enjoyed reading somebody else's slander? It is just piece after piece after piece we are doing all of these things and so we thank god that we have a savior dr russell don is our guest we're talking about the wisdom of god he is president of concordia university chicago and an essayist at the lcms convention we are broadcasting from the 68th regular convention of the lutheran church of missouri synod on the sunday night july the 30th we're going to go back in history oh three or four centuries to talk about when society first began in an organized way, in a philosophical way, to reject God's wisdom. Was the reformer Martin Luther innovating or in error when he added the word alone to Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith alone, apart from works of the law? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. Journal. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. Donna Harrison details her journey to confessional Lutheranism from Catholicism, Scientism, Mysticism, and Evangelicalism. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Contending for truth in an age of anti-truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Are you a young, single, confessional Lutheran looking for a future spouse or friends who share your faithful confession of Christ? St. John Lutheran Church in Sycamore, Illinois, is hosting its second annual singles retreat on Saturday, August 5th. This retreat is for high school grads through age 30. Visit stjohnsycamore.org and select the Young Singles Retreat icon. That's stjohnsycamore.org.
Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking with Dr. Russell Don, President of Concordia University, Chicago, as we broadcast from the 68th regular convention of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod in Milwaukee on this Sunday night, July the 30th. So let's go back in history. I'm intrigued by this notion that you put forth in your short essay here at the convention that while we're tempted to think that the moral and really the philosophical collapse of our society began mid-20th century or something like that. You say, no, we could go f- even before the founding mm-hmm. of our nation to people who were planting, unwittingly, planting seeds that have borne their bitter fruit here in American soil. Yes, yeah, so I go back to the Enlightenment on this, and I'm not alone in this. I've been influenced by a number of people, one of whom I, I think bears mentioning, and that's Dr. Carl Truman from Grove City College. He has a couple of great books out on this sort of thing. So the thinkers that were the most central to these particular ideas of, of rejecting original sin, so the idea, one of the, one of the main ideas that I think is influential in the decay of modern society is that there is no original sin. People are basically good. It's only society that's bad. And so it's really French Enlightenment thinkers who are at the forefront of this in the 17th century. So Jean-Jacques Rousseau is the one I talk about in the essay. And they were more influential on the French Revolution, but they did plant their seeds here as well. And, and as I say, Rousseau, it's that people are basically good, societal structures are bad, and the particular structure that he keys on is private property. The ownership of property is fundamentally bad, and that's what leads people to appear to be bad. And of course, that idea will bear very bitter fruit in the thought of Karl Marx and et cetera down the line. You mentioned original sin, but you even highlight three key truths that are rejected prior to the American founding. The first one being original sin. The second one you talk about being a shift in focus from, am I right, the goal being the next life rather than then the goal becomes only this life. Talk about that right. in those early thinkers. Yeah, so that's a, that's a big one. And it follows pretty naturally in a way, from the idea that we're basically good. So if we're basically good, we can create an earthly paradise, right? There's no fundamental problem with that. There's no fundamental barrier. There are barriers, but we can get rid of them. So one of the leading thinkers in that, of course, was Karl Marx. There are many, but I just mentioned Marx, and and I mentioned him in the essay. And the direction he took it was that if we get rid of private property, so overthrow the ownership of property, eventually people will, will get used to not owning anything. And, and it's not just private property. It's any, any structure that creates exclusivity, like marriage. He was not uh, in favor of marriage because that creates jealousy, and some people have and other people don't have. And so it's all, everything is to be shared. And so once everyone gets used to that, we won't need government anymore because there won't be any more crime and people won't feel alienated in their lives and so government will just wither away and we will live in this earthly paradise this earthly bliss we don't need heavenly bliss because we can achieve it here so were the framers of the u.s constitution while they may have either implicitly or explicitly rejected the biblical idea of original sin were they at least cautious in that when they set about to design the structure of this government they said there need to be checks and balances. Oh, yeah. That's a great point, and that's partly how they were influenced. They were influenced more by Enlightenment thinkers like John Locke and, 
and others who at least held to some semblance of the idea of the fall. And so Madison famously said in Federalist 51, and I would encourage your listeners to read Federalist 51 again, uh, he famously said that if men were angels, they would need no government. But of course, they aren't angels. And so he uh, led the creation, the, the formation of this constitution. It's very complex, and it has separation of powers among three branches, three equal branches, and federalism that, that kept states sovereign and confined the powers of the national government to those enumerated in the Constitution itself. Now, of course, we've strayed very far from that original vision, but let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> to, to, th to that degree, have those built-in checks and balances, have they functioned... I'm trying to ca carefully word my question here. Have they put off the inevitable? That is the seeds that were already planted prior to the American founding that have led to essentially the moral degradation of, of our culture. Have those checks and balances and other kind of the built-in, well, wisdom of those founders, have they kept that at bay long yeah. enough? There are thinkers uh, in society today, like I'm thinking of David French, who says if we just got back to the Constitution, we'd solve a lot of these societal problems. And he seems to assume, well, if we just reinstitute these checks and balances and the norms, as they say, then a lot of this stuff will take care of itself. Well, I would disagree with French on that, although I don't do that lightly. He's a smart man. In answer to your first question, yes, I do believe that those checks and balances forestalled, delayed the perhaps inevitable decay once one departs from the wisdom of God which the founders did in other ways, that will eventually catch up to you. But I don't think we can just go back to the Constitution without going back, if you will, culturally and religiously. So we really need a religious foundation to build up a culture that would follow such a Constitution, that would thrive under such a Constitution. You, you can't just say, hey, everybody, let's go back to this system that nobody, not nobody, but so many people don't seem to want, that system that forces a diffusion of power among many rather than a concentration of power. We in American society today seem to love concentrations of power. I don't think we can just go back. The uh, third great truth that you say has been rejected in our society is that the, uh, the purpose of one's life is to love God and serve the neighbor. When did we shift away from that? Well, I think we've been shifting away from that, but it really burst on the scene, if you will, maybe mid-20th century-ish with kind of the, the broad teaching of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and there were other things around this, but it was, um, he, he wasn't really the originator, but he was the popularizer, if you will, of this notion of self-actualization. So, so Nietzsche talked about that at the end of the 19th century. He talked about the, that a, a person should, I don't remember the language, but it's something along the lines of Maslow's uh, self-actualization. And then it got popularized. Nietzsche wasn't exactly a popular writer and thinker. And so Maslow's hierarchy, which says that self-actualization is the highest of human needs. And so a lot of people have studied that in their, their college sociology class and even in high school classes. And many others have just absorbed that view through kind of osmosis from the culture. And so we have 
consumer culture, our need to define ourselves even against our own nature. We have another example. Self-actualization means we, I think it leads to this great sensitivity we have to criticism. Any criticism is just so debilitating now, and it's because it takes away from our sense of completion of ourselves. And even if we would never use that term, every last one of us seeks self-actualization. And the reason I'm confident of that is self-actualization is just pride. And we all drink deeply from the well of the sin of pride. And again, we thank God we have a Savior. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other particular ways that we see a rejection of God's wisdom in our culture. We're talking about the wisdom of God. Dr. Russell Dawn is our guest. He's president of Concordia University, Chicago, and we're broadcasting from the 68th regular convention of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod in Milwaukee. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with Pride Goeth Before Destruction. Set apart by the Spirit, Elymas and Paul, God has brought to Israel a Savior, and we bring you the good news. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We do this when we hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy laden to rest in Him, our true rest, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear His Word and receive His gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois, you're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at trinitymilstadt.org. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to His pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu. CUChicago.edu. Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc. Bahama Mama, Ocean Pacific, Paradise Island. Retreat from the heat with the shaved ice snow cone from Tropical Snow in Caseyville, Illinois. It's right across the street from Collinsville High School. Tropical Snow is open daily from 1 to 9. Premium Snow. Epic flavors, lots of love. Tropical snow across the street from Collinsville High School at 2134 South Morrison Avenue in Caseyville. I am beautiful 
Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're broadcasting from the 68th Regular Convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate in Milwaukee on this Sunday night, July the 30th, talking about the wisdom of God with Dr. Russell Dawn. He's president of Concordia University, Chicago, and an essayist here at the LCMS Convention. In about 10 minutes, Mark Stern and Tom Halverson will join us to talk about what's gone so far in the 68th Regular Convention of the LCMS and also what lies ahead. Dr. Dawn... What other particular ways, you had that list from St. Paul of the descriptions of his society in his day, how those things manifested themselves in our society today? Well, uh, innumerable ways, really. So in addition to some of the stuff we talked about before, you know, we see, thinking about the list, well, pride everywhere and disobedience to parents I read the list to, to some friends here at the convention, and, and they said, wow, disobedience to parents. That's all of us, right? <laughs> we were all that way. And treachery, you know, I've, I've heard the saying in athletics that if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. And so that's, a, that's just a form of treachery. Should and it surprise us that we have what some people have characterized as almost a loss of reason in our society when it comes, if we reject the wisdom of God in, in Paul's language, suppose ourselves to be wise, we become fools, not only in God's eyes, but we actually become foolish even according to human reason. Yes, so that's a great insight, and it, I believe that the root of that is at the most foundational level. So we're, if we reject the things that the secular world says are, well, that's just supernatural thinking, it's magical thinking, you're a bunch of wishful people who can't get down to the hard facts of reality. And so they they think that by using reason, divorced from scripture, they are getting down to the hard facts of reality. But the truth is, they're rejecting this wisdom of Christ, this wisdom of God, that they're fallen. And and that one alone, all, all of these matter, but just rejecting the fall makes it much more difficult to reason our way to truth in all sorts, in any sort of moral reasoning category. It would seem to lead to an inability to self-critique, yes. to question one's conclusions, all of those things that seem to be falling apart in our 
educational system that's falling apart in the scientific community, right. uh, we, it, it leads to a kind of a dogmatism of it one's does. own opinions. It does. Or one's group's opinions. It's almost like they're thick. The truth can't get through because they've built up this thick wall of barrier. And these are smart people. I'm not saying that they actually are thick. These are smart, smart individuals in academia and elsewhere, but they can't reason their way out of a paper bag because they miss the fundamental. Is this why we can't debate? Is this yes. why when a person of even a slightly center-right position is invited to speak on a campus, they can't even be heard. They, they need to be drummed out of town. Yes, so that's the cancel culture aspect. We, we, we can't hear something that doesn't that doesn't resonate for us. But it's also, even at a more reasonable level, it's why we end up talking past each other. Because the fundamentals, we disagree on the fundamentals. So if we're arguing about something you could just, if, if you're imagining a house, or you're arguing about what the shape of the house ought to be, and you can't come to a common ground on why the house should look a particular way, well, really, the reason for that is you have different foundations. And that's the underground part. I believe we talk past each other because we're not getting down to first things. So there are those who say that the church does better and would be a better witness if we reached some sort of detente with the world. At the very least, peaceful coexistence, but maybe we need to rethink some of our ideas as a church and listen to the culture a little bit more. How do you respond to that? Hmm. Wow, that's pure rubbish. We're not as bad off as, say, the apostles under Nero. They didn't reach a detente with Nero. Detente with the world means detente with sin. And there can be no such thing. As I said before, without the law, there's no need for gospel. It's something that gets discussed on this program all the time. And so we don't want to gently take people by the hand and usher them into hell. We need to speak the truth. The truth is law. The truth is gospel. We speak it in love because the loving God gave us both law and gospel. But when the reaction is bad, and it will only get worse before it gets better, we take that out of love of neighbor and love of Christ. There are others who would kind of on the opposite side in the church say that our society is so degenerate that the church really no longer has anything to say. We don't speak a common language anymore. They're not going to understand us. And the only solutions are either political or power-oriented mm. solutions. What do you say to that? <laughs> I guess I would say rubbish again. So what's wrong there, that's a different mistake. What's going wrong there is they're adopting the very same worldview that led to the degeneracy in the first place, or at least part of that worldview. They're accepting that this life is the important one and that we have to focus on making it a good life. Well, I want a good life for my children. They're also accepting that self-actualization is the important thing. And so really they've accepted, they've taken on the world's views and are then using the world's methods back against them. What we need is what we've always needed and that's Christ crucified. So you are in charge of an organization whose goal seems insurmountable in these days and that is to take a new crop of young people many of them coming out of our public school system and then somehow at the end of four years make of them at the very least if not Christians and at least morally aware citizens mm -hmm. responsible adults and useful servants of the neighbor yes grounded in truth are there mornings that you wake up and think to yourself given 
how ill-prepared so many of them are. Not to say any, anything bad about those, <laughs> those students, but how ill-prepared they have been and ill-served they've been. That uh, it's just an impossible task. Hmm. <laughs> there may be mornings when I feel like it's an impossible task, but then I remind myself who called me to head this university. And, and on, a, on a more mundane level, I remind myself who I have around me the members of the faculty and staff, the, the, the coaches, the, the residence life staff, the spiritual life staff. There are a lot of good, sound people whom God has called into those positions. And these young people, many of them do come in underprepared for what they're going to encounter intellectually and spiritually, but they're still hungry. That is still a hungry age, the 18, the 22-year-old that remains our bread and butter. And so we just day in and day out methodically provide them what we need. We provide them with, well, we base it on kind of our, uh, what we call our pillars, and we also have a new tagline, so I'll introduce that. That's kind of exciting. So we've talked on the show before about our, our pillars, which are truth, freedom, and vocation. So I won't, I won't go down into those deeply, but you know, truth is earthly truth, which is given to us by God, but also revealed truth. And the revealed truth is the thing that conditions, it's the norming norm for the earthly truth. And people have to be formed by that. They don't get to choose their truth. It is the pursuit of the truth. And freedom, freedom is not doing whatever we want. That assumes that we're basically good. No, freedom is the freedom to govern oneself. It is self-governance according to truth. And that is a limiting thing in many ways. So freedom is limiting. But why is that freedom? Well, because if we don't limit ourselves, someone on the outside will limit us forcibly because they have to to protect others from us if we're not living in accordance with truth. So freedom is just, I govern myself rather than having somebody else govern me. And then, of course, there's vocation, which is serving neighbor at the call of God. And so those are our pillars, truth, freedom, and vocation. And then our new tagline, which you're going to see rolled out this fall. We're very excited about it. It's going to be in our logo and our website and all over the place. And that is Christ at the center. Whether you're in the dorm room or on the playing field or in the, uh, in the classroom or in the chapel, Christ is at the center there. And so it's obvious in chapel life. But it's also should be obvious in dorm life and, and athletic life and, in, and, of course, in the classroom because we're a university. And so that is what we're doing, and it is making a difference. I'm not saying we're going to take back this country for Christ. That wouldn't be a very Lutheran notion. But what we are doing is forming young people, and those who refuse to be formed, their refusal is not our responsibility. We are doing everything we can to form them, and God is blessing that work. There's a lot of good outcome. Dr. Russell Don is president of Concordia University of Chicago and an essayist at the LCMS convention. Dr. Don, keep up the good work and thank you very much for being our guest. Thank you, Todd. Always a pleasure. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the goings-on at the 68th regular convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod here in Milwaukee. We'll be joined by Mark Stern, an attorney in Chicago, and Tom Halverson, an attorney in Montana. Stay tuned. So that whole Old Testament, then even the New Testament, can be seen as like, where is this promised child? 
Dr. Adam Philippic, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for July, Life in Christ, Rooted, Woven, and Grafted into God's Story. Who's going to crush the head of the serpent and give us back the very presence of God, that land that we dwelt with God in, no sorrow, no suffering, no sin, no death, but in his presence permanently. Learn more about Life in Christ at issuesetc.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Providing artillery support for the church militant on the front lines, you're listening to Issues Etc. America's tradition of liberty depends on having colleges and universities that equip young people for the responsibilities of freedom. At Concordia University Chicago, freedom is a pillar of our education. We prepare our students to live as free, self-governing citizens. I'm Dr. Rachel Ferguson, director of the Free Enterprise Center at Concordia Chicago. I invite you to visit us. Discover what it means for freedom to become a pillar of your future. Learn more at cuchicago.edu. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858.